Hello there, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the Horror Freaks podcast. My name is Austin. I'm going to be hosting the episode for tonight. I am joined, as always, by my two buddies, John and Chris. I'll start with you, John. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just marvelous, ready to talk about the barbarian. Excellent. Chris, how about you? Yeah, I'm pretty good tonight. Looking forward to this episode as well for this movie. But uh, yeah, we had a pretty long weekend, so still feeling it. Yeah, we want to talk about that um, before we talk about our, our previous weekend. Um, just want to talk about the fact that Barbarian was a poll that we did on our Instagram in April. Um, it barely won the vote by one or very barely won the poll by one vote. So um, excited to get your guys input. This is the movie you voted for and should be a good one to talk about, but um some news for the podcast john has actually returned back to buffalo um we spent the weekend in saratoga springs with them helping him move back um but john I'm back you're motherfucker back, you're back how are you feeling uh, i feel pretty good i'm definitely happy to be home um it'll, this definitely allows for us to uh to get some live recordings in although tonight won't necessarily be our first live recording i'm hoping we can do that down the line but i am uh pretty excited to to be back and to be in the 716 with you fiends. And uh, I want to give a huge shout out to you two in particular, because you guys helped me move quite a bit of shit from uh, point A to point B across New York State. And uh, nothing broke. It was it was a complete success. So I just want to thank you guys for that. And, and uh, I'm excited for not only just being home, but for the podcast too. Hell yeah. We had, a, we had a good time out there. So, you know, it was no skin off our back to come out and help you. Happy to do it. Um, it was definitely a long weekend though. I was, I was feeling it come Monday. So it was. I, actually, I slept all day Sunday. I took like a six hour nap. Yeah. Better now though. Yeah, it was rough. We made the decision to, to go out one last hurrah and then, uh, stayed up pretty damn late and then did some packing after that, some hungover packing. So yep. it was a good time. Yeah, well, we did quite a bit of work. I mean, it was it was a lot of stuff to move, and we did it relatively pretty fast. So I'm definitely pretty much just about all set moved in. Um, and for now, I'm basically doing this out of my mom's basement. But uh, <laughs> until I find another place for myself, I'll be doing it from down here. Very nice. But without further ado, we can get into Barbarian. Um, so as always, we usually start off talking about the movie poster and fellas, I did send it over in our discord. So if you want to take a look, um, maybe John, I know you're excited about this movie. You can start first and tell us what you're seeing. Oh, yes. So I have been, uh, I've had this movie poster circled on the map for, for months now. And, uh, I gotta say, this is, this is, uh, a, a pretty aesthetically pleasing movie posters so basically what we're looking at it's almost like a uh, a frame from the picture from the movie where uh basically we're looking from the perspective of down the basement through the hidden door stairs and uh we're staring up at our main character tess and uh the outside of the movie poster is completely red and the stairs are black and you can kind of see the basement behind her um but you got the characters, you got the three three main leads. You got Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. And uh, it just has the movie title, Barbarian. And uh, there's no tagline, which is kind of rare, unless you guys can see one that I'm not seeing. 
Um, But this is about as red of a movie poster as you can possibly make a movie poster. It is just bright blood red. And uh, I have to say, fellas, this one here in particular is a pretty goddamn good movie poster, if I do say so myself. Um, It kind of has that element of what is the barbarian? Is it her? Is it what's down the stairs? Like You don't really know anything based on the poster itself. Um, What do you guys say? Am I missing anything here? I'll kind of follow up on that, but before we... This is a first watch for me. I knew nothing about Barbarian. Did not watch any trailers going into it. And I think the movie poster um, reveals absolutely nothing. So I still have no idea what Barbarian is going to be about just looking at that movie poster. So I'm kind of lukewarm on this one. I think it's it's definitely one of the better ones. We've seen a lot worse. Um, but, John, you didn't even give it a score. Do you want to give it oh, a score? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, uh, I will give this a score of uh it's gonna be my my new number one movie poster for sure um no doubt about that i'm gonna give this one 4.4 i think it's a pretty solid movie poster i like how it doesn't reveal anything i like how red it is and it begs the question of what the hell is going to happen in this movie and uh i just find it very pleasing to look at and it's got plenty of spook factor so uh it's also a pretty important scene in the movie so um, I think it checks all those boxes for me. So 4.4 for a Barbarian movie poster. Damn. John's coming out swinging with the poster. Like I said, though, I'm kind of lukewarm on this one. I think it's it's good. It's not blowing my socks off like John. So I'm going to fall at like a 3.2. What do you think, Chris? I'm in the same boat as you. I definitely like it. And it's definitely one of my higher scoring movie posters. But it just doesn't go over the top for me. I like at the top, at least on the one I'm looking at, it says from the producer of it and executive producer of the ring and the grudge. So like they're really promoting itself for who they have behind the movie, I guess. So I give it a 3.4. It's, you know, it's pretty good. Okay. All right. I gotta really say, I, I was not expecting that. I thought you guys would be a bit higher, but that's okay. That gives us simple. <laughs> it is, it is simple. pretty simple. It's very I'm simple. I'm surprised you're giving it such a high score. I just, I don't know. I just really like the, the use of the color red, <laughs> but that, that gives us an aggregate score of uh, 4.0. So right down the middle, I'm sorry, 3.9, 3.9. All right. Um, with, well, with that being said, we can uh, kind of just briefly discuss the plot. Um, I'm going to try to fly through this as quick as I can. There's a lot to talk about, but we'll keep it brief and keep more of our talking about specific scenes and things like that. But um, to start off the movie, uh, we are greeted right away with our main character of the movie, Tess. And she is arriving at a rental house or an Airbnb um, in a very sketchy neighborhood, although you can't really see it at the start. It's very dark. And there's all sorts of weird screams or hums, um, just spooky sounds going on. As, um, it shows a car and she's pulling up to the Airbnb. And very quickly, as she comes up to the door, she realizes that she is double booked with our one of our other main characters in the movie, his name is Keith, Keith. Um, also known as the It in It the Clown the movie. Um, Pennywise. Pennywise the Clown. Um, so Bill Skarsgård, am I saying that right? Skarsgård. Yep. Skarsgård. Um, but yeah, we were immediately greeted by It the Clown, um, which was a nice little toss share. Um, but yeah, she is essentially double booked at the Airbnb. And... Um, Essentially, she's really freaked out, um, but Keith eventually lets her in, 
and they're kind of just sorting through what they're going to do with this double booking. But you got Serin, and Tess is very sketched out. She's taking pictures of his license. Um, she doesn't really trust him. Keith offers her wine that she doesn't take, and then also um, tea, stuff like that. She's She just wants none of it. She's very uncomfortable. But eventually, as the night goes on, um, they kind of make amends, and they, they find some common ground. Um, they're both into the same films, I believe. And she kind of explains to Keith that she's there for a job interview for a, I believe they're filming a movie, right, guys? Yeah. Documentary. Documentary. Um, but somehow Keith has some sort of connection to that. So they, by the end of the night, they're both drinking wine together and they um, become pretty good friends, I would say. Tess kind of seems a little bit interested in Keith um, by, the end of the, by the end of the interaction. And um, they pretty much call it a night. She crashes at um, the same Airbnb as Keith. Uh, but once they go to bed, things pick up a little bit. Um, so Tess wakes up. She The door opens by itself, and Keith is uh, having some sort of a nightmare. Um, and she wakes him up, and it's kind of like a little spooky scene. Not anything too crazy, but kind of leaves you wondering what's going on. Uh, but anyways, after that, uh, the morning comes. Tess goes for an interview. And Keith is not there in the morning when she wakes up and leaves a note. And at the interview, um, her the person interviewing Tess lets her know that's a really sketchy area. And now that it's daytime, you can really see that the area is terrible. Um, but the interview goes well. She comes back to the house and she's immediately chased down by some sort of a homeless guy, um, warning her not to go in that house. But she doesn't really pay attention to anything that he um, he's saying she just goes in cause she's scared of the homeless guy and, um, tries to call the cops after that, but no units available in Detroit. Um, so, um, she's shit out of luck, but, um, once she is locked into the house, um, kind of hiding out from the homeless guy, she does a lot of looking around the house and eventually, um, she stumbles upon the basement, which she did not check out the night before. And, um, eventually after some looking around, she, uh, finds all sorts of weird stuff. So there is a um, a secret door that she finds, and there is um, some really sketchy stuff going on with like a bed, Andy, a camera, um, and a bucket, and a bucket. So just three random items. But she's really freaked out, and she actually locks herself in that basement. Um, the door shuts by itself. So she's freaked out by that. Um, luckily, Keith returns back to the Airbnb, and he's. He saves the day. He uh, lets Tess out of the window, and they um, are kind of freaked out. She lets Tess know, or um, Keith, yeah, Tess lets Keith know that uh, what she saw, and then she wants to leave right away. But Keith convinces her to stay while he takes a look and see what she's talking about. Um, but from there, it really picks up because Keith goes down in the basement, and um, after I would say about a minute or two, he. Um, is not returning so longer than usual. And Tess goes down there to look for him. And she finds a whole nother room after that, um, that Keith discovered. And he's crying down in this next room um, for help. And she walks down these additional stairs and um, eventually finds Keith, who is crawling on the ground in this very dark scene. Um, there's all sorts of weird dark tunnels and stuff and cages and just... Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Just cages for like caged animals, um, really long winding tunnels. But 
Um, Keith is walking on the ground and he says, he says to test someone else is down here. It bit me. Something um, bit me. And something bit me. And out of nowhere, we get greeted by this bizarre looking character called the mother. Um, and I don't, you guys can probably describe this better than me. How would you guys describe what this mother character looks like that we're greeted by? I got two words, two words that basically sum up this monster. It's the tits monster. <laughs> oh my God. It's very it, simple. I, that's one way to describe it. What would you say, Chris? What is it's this a, creature? It's a tall female humanoid monster. Like <laughs> this long black, it kind of looks like a witch. Like you would see in other movies, how they portrayed a witch. It does look like um, a witch. Just, yeah. To your point, John tits flopping about and fucked up looking face, all that. So <laughs> pretty ugly, pretty fucking ugly. It is scary, pretty too. ugly and fucked. It is, pretty, it pretty is scary looking. Yeah, very, very good, looking. very good design. Um, but anyways, this monster walks right up to Keith and just immediately bashes the fuck out of his head, just bangs into the wall ten times over while Tess watches, and we are immediately greeted after that. Just night and day difference to a scene of our next character, AJ, um, with. Like I mentioned, total night and day differences to Sonny, him driving down the road, blaring out to some music. And that's pretty much the end, I would say, of the, the first act. Oh, yeah. You guys would agree. That's kind of how Th- it ends. That is, that is like a sharp cut of the first act. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to kind of keep the, the details to later on, but anything I missed, you guys, in the, the first act, I feel like that kind of quickly sums it up what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Cool. Um, but... Second act, like I mentioned, we are greeted by our next main character, AJ. Um, he is, he's kind of a little bit of an oddball. He's jamming out some music, and right away he gets a phone call um, from some of, the, some of his other um, co-workers. He is also casting a movie, so another person that's working in the film industry. Um, and they inform him that one of his co-workers is accusing him of rape. So we kind of find out right away this guy is pretty much a scumbag. Um, and he doesn't seem to have any regard for it. Like he's not taking it very seriously. Um, but the accusations are pretty serious. So he ends up looking to do some liquidating to try to get money to prepare for this case. And one of those houses he's looking to liquidate is actually, um, the house in the first act, um, in Detroit. So, um, from there, after he's accused, he ends up going to this house, um, which is the house in the first act, like I mentioned, um and he um quickly finds out there's people that have been there um, which he doesn't really seem to care about he just shows up to this place um even though there's people renting out the place and just kind of makes himself at home um but he settles in eventually goes out at the the end of the night meets up with his buddy and again doesn't really have any regard for being accused of rape he kind of says she was like asking for it or something like that um again just showing this aj character is a pretty big douchebag um, and he ends up, um, by the end of the night when he's drunk, calling the um, girl that's accusing him of rape, just, just apologizing, a, a classic drunk phone call. Um, what, the one thing you absolutely should not do if you're being accused of something like that. So um, <laughs> this guy is just kind of a wreck of a character. Um, but anyways, after that, he wakes up um, after his night out. And he also, um, like I mentioned, he's trying to sell this place. He eventually stumbles down to this basement as well. And he 
is looking up online. He's planning to sell it this place. He didn't even know about this extra room. He's trying to see and measure different things to see if he can sell this for extra square footage in the home. And um, after he is going through measuring everything, he also runs into the mother um, and essentially um, gets, I can't even remember what happens here. He gets taken in as well, or they, he's greeted in this new room um, with a, a video uh, on the, the television, the only television. Yeah. Room. He finds like this maternity room, this pink maternity room that's playing yes. like an eighties videotape about lactating yeah and then he runs away from the monster and and stumbles into the like little hole that right pitfall yeah pitfall that the mother is keeping as we is a big reveal tess has been being kept down there for weeks it seems like um and the mother is like taking care of her and then sauce you can pick up from here one of the more disgusting scenes in the movie yeah so um, pretty much to end this portion of the and section of the movie. Um, so Tess tries telling AJ that you need to be calm with the, the mother and do what she says. Otherwise, she's going to freak out. Um, so she immediately throws down this disgusting looking bottle to AJ and wants him to drink milk out of the bottle with hair all over it and stuff like that. And he refuses to do it. So um, the mother freaks out. And she just grabs AJ and brings him into that same room with the TV of the mother breastfeeding. And she force feeds AJ. (laughs) And while that's going on, Tess manages to escape. And that's kind of where we're left off. And then after that, um, there's a total different vibe change in the movie, a flashback. And we're introduced to another character of the movie. um, And that would be Frank. Um, so just to cut back, it's, I would say just based on how they changed the, the grain of the film and kind of cut it shorter, um, it's at least like 30, 40 years ago. Um, but it's a shot of Frank and he's walking around doing some baby shopping. Um, Frank is also a, a terrible character. So, um, after he does that baby shopping, he, uh, uh, essentially stalks a girl and acts like he's a plumber. Um, just checking for maintenance. Um, so we already see he's up to some shady stuff and he comes back home after he does that stalking, um, brings the, um, baby supplies home and we can hear people trapped in that same home. So 40 years ago, Frank's living at this home that the main, uh, movie takes place in. Um, and he's essentially torturing people in the home. Uh, but it kind of gives you a little bit of a backstory and then it cuts right back to, um, the action that's going on right now of, um, AJ being trapped and Tess. Um, so like I mentioned, Tess escapes and she immediately is already looking to go back to help save AJ. And if I do remember correctly, she goes, Chris is shaking his head. <laughs> He's not happy with uh, Tess, but she pretty much goes um, right back in that house to try to help AJ. And AJ's walking around. Um, pretty much he, while Tess is going back in the home, um, he discovers um a disgusting looking old man um, that is in these tunnels and dark area in the lower section of the home and come to find out that it's Frank. Um, so Frank 40 years later is still living in the home um, bottles all over the floor, shit everywhere. He's in rough shape. Um, and AJ finds him and he also finds all of these tapes that um, Frank has in the basement. So he kind of finds out that Frank 
has been doing all this. He's been raping people. Um, he's been breeding essentially babies of other babies and just really weird stuff. And immediately, um, Frank, after AJ discovers all those tapes, takes his life. He, uh, blows his brains out. So that happens. Um, and then, um, Tess comes looking, like I mentioned, through the home and she does find AJ, but it's so dark. AJ accidentally shoots Tess in the process. So, um, you know, that's, I guess that's kind of what Tess gets for not being very smart, going back into the home to look for AJ, but AJ accidentally shoots her. And then they both kind of, AJ drags Tess back up and they manage to escape the house. Uh, but the fun is not done after that. So the mother <laughs> to chase um, Tess and AJ out of the, the home. Um, and essentially that homeless man takes in Tess and AJ um, and they kind of fortify for the night while Tess is shot. They don't think it's a very good idea to um, continue to look for a hospital late at night with that mother roaming around. And the homeless guy says, um, you know, she's never come here in 20 years or whatever, however long he's been living there. And of course, out of nowhere, um, the mother comes barging through, breaks through the wall and um, just immediately destroys the homeless man first. He gets ripped apart. <laughs> she beats him to death with his own arm. <laughs> yeah, she rips his arm off and beats him to death with his own arm. Um, and then from here, we are pretty much at the end of the movie. So um, the mother is chasing around AJ and Tess. And they chase um, both of them up this um, water tower. And AJ just immediately, because the mother's coming, there's no escape. He, uh, the mother really likes Tess for whatever reason, because Tess obeys her. And um, he uses Tess as bait there at the top of the waterfall and immediately just pushes Tess off this waterfall. <laughs> and the mother comes jumping off the waterfall, just total Spider-Man save scene, and jumps <laughs> at Tess as... AJ buys some time to try to escape. Um, but end of the scene here, or end of the movie rather, um, AJ comes walking back down. He discovers that Tess is just barely alive. And um, he tries to apologize after a total douchebag move, pushing her off the, the water tower. Um, and as he's doing that, the mother is still alive as well. And she picks up AJ and gouges his eyes out, just destroys his face in. And rips his um, head apart. Yeah, yeah, she rips his head down the middle. Rips his head apart. Um, and that is absolutely the end of AJ. Um, but from there, it is just um, Tess, who is barely hanging on. She's been shot. She's been pushed off of a, a water tower. And the mother tries picking up Tess to drag her back to the house. And Tess says, no, we can't do that. I'm too hurt. And as she's doing that, pulls out a gun and destroys the mother. <laughs> and blows her head off and that is the end of the movie and then ending credits Tess is walking away barely alive as the credits roll um, but that is the plot um, I cover quite a bit there fellas um, right off the rip anything you want to add that I missed I just want to say Sauce that was good I like that we got right through the plot that was uh, that was a pretty good picture of everything that happened there was a lot that happened <laughs> in this movie so John, you're the one who recommended this the most to me. You were yep. you were high on this movie. Just we'll say that going in. And yep. I'll also say that this was my first watch. I actually just watched it today right before yep. we recorded. So pretty fresh on the mind. Um, the one thing that stands out to me is the character Tess 
and how they just portray her as somebody who makes terrible decisions. Like she's just all throughout the movie. They, they show her even the lady who interviews her for that job is like, why are you staying in that neighborhood? Like, that's crazy. Like, what are you doing there? So this whole movie, she just makes terrible decisions and it, it kind of hurts it for me. Cause like, it's just so stupid. All the stuff she does, like just constantly running back into the movie. So as you mentioned, I was shaking my head. There's a, a quote I wrote down from her where the first thing she says is there's someone else in there and we have to help him. Like, how ridiculous out of what she just experienced to be like, we have to go directly back in there. This guy's like, what are you talking about lady? Yeah. yeah are you talking about the police? Well, well, no, that was, that was right after, but like, and in, like initially getting out of the house, she was talking to that homeless guy who was like, Oh, right, for right, a little right. bit. Yeah. She was like, we have to go back in there. And he's like, you're crazy lady. So she right. seemed to be very cognizant of, the fortune that she's been gifted there that she could literally make it out of the situation and live. But she, her next choice has just led to her demise, but somehow she lives at the end. Right. Now I can see how that'd be a little frustrating. I, I personally had hardly any problems with Tess, the character, to be honest with you, I didn't really pick up on anything that she did. That was egregiously wrong. I would just say she, she for sure did a poor job explaining to the police. They just assumed, so I think that was one thing that you kind of glanced over is that she did manage to escape away to the cops and the cops took one look at her and they kind of just, you could tell they don't actually acknowledge it, but they pretty much just say, oh, well, she's probably on crack or on drugs. Like we need to let her come down from whatever she's on uh, when she's clearly just been kept prisoner for a couple of weeks and they do not take her seriously at all. She did a, she did a less than less than great job of convincing them to stay and, and explaining the direness of the situation that was actually going on. I would say that is probably my biggest criticism of this movie. And I remember Sus when we watched this together, we both were kind of, you, you were telling me you didn't particularly care for that scene with the police, but yeah, it, it is a really horror movie. So yeah. I don't know. Chris, did that strike you at all that her interaction with the police is being offensive or just, no, just I, weird? I enjoy that every scary movie just has the dumbest cops in the world. And I'm not yeah. going to say they're dumb because they actually portrayed a lot of the stuff in this movie very accurately to what would be in real life. So probably in Detroit. Yeah. in a neighborhood like that, they would not take whoever comes up to them pretty seriously. Sure. And just the way that they introduced it as an Airbnb that got overbooked, they really made Airbnb look bad in this movie, which was kind of funny. They did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I think it was very accurate how they portrayed everything, but the cop scene didn't really bother me other than the fact that, how Tess acted around them. And it was like, you should have just, they probably had, she probably had to get in the cop's car to drive back to the house for them to like, go and look at it with her. And she could have just been like, no, like take me to the station. Like, let me call somebody like she can call her mom or something. Right. Right. So, yeah, I gotcha. that, so she did bother me a little bit um, as a character, but she was, I don't want to say like she was a bad character. She was very well played. I liked the actress who played her. I think she did a good job. Yep. So I had, I had no problems with that. Nice. Any scenes, John, that I didn't cover? No. More detail or? I, I just kind of wanted to touch on that the entirety of the first act is you basically being led to believe that Keith, there is something up with Keith, that Keith yep. is, there's some sort of menace yeah. going on there. And they completely flip that on you very rapidly at the conclusion of the first act when he gets his head absolutely obliterated. Um <laughs> And I just really liked how they portrayed, they wrote that first act trying to play on the tropes of there, there's a guy, 
a, like a sketchy guy you don't know anything about who you just stumbled into. And it kind of plays on a lot of very relevant, like modern fears. I think a lot of women have about men and uh, in kind of today's society being set in a, in a setting like that with Airbnb being double booked. I really, I thought the first act of this movie is like pretty phenomenal, like almost, almost perfect in my opinion with how they sort of flip it on its head and then they conclude it. Um, for me, I think I think like the only negative thing I have to say about this is basically the water tower. I would say from from the time I guess the police scene is a bit of a negative, and then everything that happens at the water tower to me, like the fact that they went up the water tower, I thought was kind of ridiculous. Like, where are you going? You're just gonna go up, and the mother will follow you up there. And then also the physics of the mother just yeeting herself off the tower and then breaking the fall. That is not how physics work. You cannot just speed up. And- <laughs> catch somebody <laughs> so yeah. that i didn't really particularly like that but i did like the way that it ended with uh aj just getting his head ripped apart and his eyes gouged out like he he got it the worst and he deserves it because he's a total piece of shit and uh the second act of the movie basically when you're in the tunnels with aj i would say is pretty effective and pretty scary like there were a lot of very unique and cool camera shots in the tunnel where you're seeing it almost as like a POV video game from AJ's perspective. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I thought that was one of the cooler shots where the like mother that. like slowly appears, um, but she won't go closer to Frank's door because obviously like we don't know it yet, but Frank, it's basically you, you can understand that he is a rapist and has had so many incest lines that led to the creation of this mother is uh, it's pretty unique and pretty frightening. And uh I just really like the concept of, and also the eighties, the way they shot the eighties scene uh, with Frank, it was, I think it was perfectly timed. The transitions from act to act were really cool. Um, there was just, and also the humor of AJ, like that dude is like Justin Long is definitely hilarious. Like the shit that he says when he's trying to measure out the square footage. Yep. Uh, and uh, when he goes downstairs, he has like a tiny little knife and he's like, you're about to get fucked. <laughs> and like, that's like his, uh, like catchphrase when he's down there. So in, in general, I think like the comedy in this movie hits really well. And I think the horror elements in this movie hit very well. And the concept itself is just really unique and cool. Um, I don't know how much of that you guys agree with or anything you want to touch on. John, I, I will actually say that I agree with a lot of what you're saying, maybe not to the degree of how you feel, but um, I liked AJ's character. He was very hateable, but also just very funny. Nice crack. Uh, <laughs> I, I did like how he was able to get through that, that weird sequence. What it felt like at first where they cut from a very scary scene after Keith gets his head bashed in and then you just kind of get this weird, you know, harsh cut. They did a good job with that. And I liked kind of seeing how AJ was just messing around the house. He just didn't have a care in the world for like kind of how dire the situation was. But I also, and this goes back to the first act with Tess, is just how they both kept going down in that tunnel and it just seems like why would you get that far after kind of what you're seeing like i get aj because he was just meant to be kind of like a dumbass and he was just kind of oblivious to it right but i didn't like tess just kept on going where she she had already gotten locked in the basement and found just before that just a room which was probably going to be frank's room that had a camera and a bed in there and that was like scary enough to be like you know somebody's being held in this basement or was at some point right you know now she was very scared. She was trying to leave. And then she just kind of follows Keith back down into the really scary tunnel and just kept on going into it. So right. kind of, kind of, they deserved a little bit in that aspect in my mind. Okay. 
I got you. Celso, um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, and then just to kind of sum things up here, I definitely agree. We talked about it, John, when we watched the, the movie The First Act. Uh, that I thought Keith, the actor who who plays that, did a fantastic job there. Where just selling enough where he's sketchy that made you believe that maybe he's someone he shouldn't trust. But it turns out he's actually the a, a pretty decent guy. He ends up being one that uh, gets killed. So I thought they they did they portrayed that really well in the movie. Um, I was pretty convinced for a first watch that maybe he'd be behind something, but um, yeah, they kind of totally flipped the switch there on the the first act. Um, I agree with Chris. I kind of, the second act for me is a little bit, you know, I don't agree with going back down in the basement, at least for tests multiple times that bothered me. We talked about the police scene and just, um, you know, it doesn't really make sense to go back down there a second time. Um, you know, you can call the police and then just the way the police handled it was not very realistic to me. So that kind of didn't sit right. And that's then, a scary movie. Yeah, that's how they are. Yeah. Scary movie, scary movie, not going to be very realistic, but it is a bit throughout this movie. There are some very modern concepts. So definitely unique movie, something I haven't seen before. And then just the, the ending as well. didn't sit great with me. The, the whole water tower jumping off Spider-Man scene was kind of. Not a great way, I feel like, to to end the movie with a bang. It was kind of a little bit disappointing for me. Um, I do like how AJ went out, but other than that, um, a little bit of a dud for me of an ending. So I think that kind of wraps up my thoughts on this movie in a bow there. Well, cool. the movie does end with a bang. It literally does. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. you get the gunshot of Tess shooting the mother and then it cuts right to the credits. And then, like, as the credits roll, there's, like, scenes of Tess getting up and walking, which I was like, this girl's been through a lot. And then, like, oh, here she is just getting back up and walking away and surviving. I don't know. I was – I'm not saying I was rooting for her to die, but the way she lived, I just thought was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I absolutely called it when she got shot by um, AJ in the tunnel. I saw I, – I thought to myself, she's going to go back in there and he's going to mistake her and shoot her. And then yeah. – Obviously, he shot her in like whatever the hip or something because she just kept on kept on going after that. So, but to talk about the ending for myself, I did kind of like it. It was pretty violent, and I like kind of like it's almost Texas Chainsaw Massacre chaos type level because it just you know kind of kept on getting ridiculous once the the mother broke back into the uh, where they were kind of hiding out with the homeless guy. I did like him just getting his arm ripped off. That was a good scene. And then once they got chased up there, though. You get AJ who just drops the gun. He he has a gun on him still. He could have, yes, he could have just neutralized That's the whole thing. For his character though, yeah, multiple times in the movie he just fumbles shit around. So it makes sense, but it was so ridiculous. I thought it was funny. I did laugh at it. Um, just also the fact that he throws Tess off. Like I think that was a pretty good conclusion for his character, fitting that he ended up dying anyway. But I thought that was pretty funny. He just tossed her right off. And then, he, and then he comes down and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You're okay. I'll help you live now. Yeah. No, I, there's there's also a line that he says to right before the, the mother, you know, bash, well, squeezes his eyeballs in. Um, he says, I'm not a bad person. Like he's trying to convince Tess that yes. he's not a bad person. Yep. After he did something truly horrible to preserve himself by just basically throwing her off a water tower and it, it very much mimics what he's the kind of the point of this movie and justin is an accused rapist and he's confronted with the real rapist with frank and he's kind of sees like one of them is disgusting but the other one portrays himself in such a way that it's okay 
So for me, it was interesting to see the parallels between you have two rapists, like a modern rapist and a rapist from the 80s, kind of pitted against each other. And he has a moment to redeem himself and save Tess. And instead of doing the right thing, he just throws her off a cliff and then he pays the ultimate price by getting his eyeballs squished in until they're like marshmallows, like squeezed out of his head and then his head's ripped open. So I think like his, his demise as a character is like, first of all, the way he was played by Justin Long was really interesting to me. It was like both funny and like at the same time, you just like love to, he's a douchebag. You just love to see what happens to him. And the, conversely, Keith is like a, uh, this shady character who you're not sure if you're going to trust. Then you find out he's just actually an okay guy. So between those two things, like, for me, it's just particularly interesting that, like, they depict, I don't know, just the parallel between the two and then his last line was was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really like the character of AJ, even though he was a piece of shit. I agree. Yeah. No, I definitely liked AJ. Keith, I'm not 100% sold that he was not a bad guy. I mean, obviously, we don't see him do anything wrong, but... Um, at the end of the day, like it was, they were still in a very weird situation. And at the beginning, he did kind of try to be like, oh, you're have some wine. He was more or less just kind of, you know, being overly nice at the start and also kind of sketchy. But, very awkward. Yeah. And I'm not saying like he was a bad guy, but I don't, I'm not saying he's definitely not. Either way, I, I liked his character and kind of how he just, his death scene was pretty good. I liked that. I liked AJ's death scene. So those yeah. are both good. Um, the gore in this movie is really good. I would agree. And just like yeah. the disturbing factor of the whole mother and baby thing. She's trying to treat Tess as her, or like both Tess and yeah. AJ as the babies and breastfeed them. That that bottle of milk scene when they're down yeah, in the pitfall trap. Yeah. That, that one's pretty good. That, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely say that's a yeah. very good scene. That's a very gross scene. Yeah. Also, just the kidnapping scene with Frank was disgusting. Like he, it's, it's very menacing. He just dresses up as this plumber named Carlos and then just unlocks the bathroom window, sort of implying that he's going to come back through that window later. And then you yep. see him going back to his house and he says he's not going away for a long time. And you hear yeah. like a woman screaming from the basement. Like to me, that was incredibly disturbing. And well, that whole sequence there was like really connects the dots quite well. And you can kind of assume that this you, you still don't really know what the mother is at that point until they unfortunately kind of spell it out for you with the hobo. Um, but I just really enjoy, uh, there's a lot of aspects of this movie that hits like all the marks that I particularly like. So I don't know, in general, I feel like it, it's a very complete movie. It's just, there's a couple of things that aren't answered. Like what the hell is Tess eating when she's down there? Is she eating Keith? Like, what is the point of the cages? I, I'm curious what your guys thoughts on what the cages were for. Do you think that was for women or do you think oh, that was for yeah. food? Oh yeah. I think that's for women. Yeah. yeah. For, uh, for Frank. I think he was literally locking women down there in cages. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's uh, disgusting. Animal. Those cages are so small. I, yeah. I don't think Tess was down there for weeks. At least that's not how I interpreted it. Because yeah. the sequence you see with AJ, he he gets out of LA wherever he's driving. He's driving on like the California coast. Seems like he gets pretty gets to Detroit pretty quick. So <clears throat> so I don't know if like she was only down there for maybe a couple of days, not necessarily weeks. Oh, I thought there was a line in there when, when AJ initially arrives and he calls his Airbnb manager and he's like, Hey, there's like people's stuff here. And there's like, Oh, the room was last rented out a couple weeks back. Yeah. So that's another factor we didn't even talk about. So do you think the, the girl that's kind of managing all this had anything to do with it? No, because she's no. lying about 
people well, booking it, not returning calls, stuff like that. I think it's just a shitty and service that. So just not keeping track of her. Yeah. Her and they, they definitely ahead, make the, the booking agency seem like they're just incompetent. But yeah. the fact that she does say on the phone that, yeah, you know, the last booking was two weeks ago. I don't know if that necessarily was them. Like, because there was the mix up where it was double booked, I feel like they just didn't even know that that place was booked. Right. So yeah. I, I kind of think that Fair it was enough. only. I just to uh, throw that out there. Yeah. I only think it was a matter of days that she was down there. And right. to your question about the cages, I think that refers back to Frank. I think those were Frank's cages from what he was doing down there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's terrifying. And I like the fact that they didn't show it and they kind of kept it off screen. A lot. Uh, there's a couple scenes in this movie where, where a lot of the violence... I mean, there is definitely on-screen violence and gore, no doubt. But the Frank stuff was was off screen. Everything that was truly disgusting with, with that was off screen. And even like when AJ watches one of the videotapes of... I don't know, just even the videotape collection just being named like Puker... And like gas station attendant, like some of that is just like really disgusting. Yeah. And uh, they didn't show that either. They just show AJ's reaction to it, like from a TV POV. So in general, I just thought that was very effective, and the concept is just disgusting. So I did like that. Um, what did you guys think of the music in this one? I thought like the main track. Uh, I was talking to Sauce a little bit about it, but I thought the music in this was very good in, for an original score for a horror movie. I, I mean, I would agree. I'm not saying it was bad. I just didn't like note it down that it was particularly good, but it was definitely good. Yeah. So I don't know if it was anything I was really, to be honest with you, paying attention to. Like uh, I was with some of the other stuff going on rather than the soundtracks they were playing. So but it was good. can't really speak too much on it. No. I still think The Witch has the best soundtrack of everything we've covered so far. This is a close, to me, this is like a close second. Okay. Um, that'll be another edition for the 2024 Horror Feeds podcast. <laughs> best score um but i would say that um i in general i think that there's a lot of aspect the acting in this movie there's not a lot that is bad about this movie other than a couple of character choices um i don't sauce is there anything else you want to touch on before we get into any other segments here no i don't think so i think we pretty much covered it all but okay are we are we ready to hop into what will probably be an interesting i don't know what we're gonna do for this one but a giuseppe of the movie I got yeah. a couple ideas for Giuseppe. Um, I don't think there's a clear cut one because we got a lot of fringe male characters that are kind of Giuseppe-ish, but none of them are, are quite Giuseppe enough to be like a very strong Giuseppe. But I wrote down a couple of names here, so just tell me what you guys think of these guys. So right away, I had AJ and Keith and Andre, Andre being the homeless guy that kind of guides him around. I find that all three of them have Giuseppe qualities in their own right. But I think for me, the character of AJ kind of is the most Giuseppe-like, even though he is a, for sure, a central character. I find that he has the most like ridiculous tendencies and honestly is, I think, the strongest of the three, in my opinion. I'll probably nominate him first, but the other two certainly have their roles. Uh, what do you guys think? I didn't know... The homeless man had a name. It is Andre. Is that what's credited as? Yep. Interesting. Like, what's the point of creating a name for a character that never gets named? Like, just just call him like because like it's just just homeless man. That's all he is. I don't think but, any of the Friday the Thirteenth characters have names. Once you get past like episode four, they just turn into people. <laughs> exactly. But um, 
He's my pick. I would say I'd almost power rank them as Andre, Keith, and then AJ because AJ has a bigger role in my mind, so it hurts his Giuseppe value. Um, Keith is just kind of like a normal guy. Normal guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, no. Chris is choked up talking about Keith. Keith <laughs> is just like a normal guy, but he's also like a little awkward, a little sketchy, so I think he did a couple things that made me think that he was Giuseppe. But I, I just like the the homeless man and his his role in this movie. I just I loved, so I'm gonna give it to him. Yeah, it's nice. fair. I think he's up there for me as well. I'd probably put my vote for Andre. Um, what do you guys think of just the the police officer being a nomination for Giuseppe? <laughs> just the way they handled the whole situation. I mean, they definitely dropped the ball, which is Giuseppe like. But to me, I don't I don't see enough of those police officers. They're so fringe that. I don't really want to nominate them, but they're, they do have Giuseppe like qualities. They just completely leave like a truly just like probably one of the worst like mass murder or rape cases of all time because they just don't believe this chick. So that it certainly is dropping the bag uh, with this Frank fella. So I also kind of nominate Frank as a Giuseppe, but to me, I don't think he's goofy enough or yeah no i don't think sinister yeah he's he's a disgusting character yeah but all right we can lock in andre then as i'm cool with nominating andre he he certainly him being his having his arm ripped off and then beaten to death with his own arm (laughs) i think really solidified his his role as giuseppe i did like how they portrayed him as like a bad guy to start like he kind of chased her into the house but in reality that was him trying to help her so you know i I like that. I think he had a, a a role that was memorable. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Uh, but we can kind of move on. This is probably also going to be an interesting debate, but we can move on to our villain of the movie. Um, I think you can make a case for a number of different people here. Um, I'll kind of just put in my two cents first. So I my leading vote would probably be Frank because he's the one that kind of started all this. He's been – he created the mother – um, he's creating all this chaos for people that are renting the Airbnb. He's just a disgusting individual um, who is, you know, inbreeding and just creating babies of babies and creating mutants, terrible, creating mutants, um, just raping what seems like tens of maybe even hundreds, at least 30, 40 different yeah. people who's doing this too and kind of starting all this to begin with. So, He'd probably be my vote, but if you guys have any arguments for anyone else, I'd love to hear him because I think there's you can make some arguments for some other people in this movie for sure. I I think that you could easily nominate AJ as a villain too, with the fact that he is a rapist and he kind of describes it to his buddy that night, and his his explanation of uh, his drunken explanation of the events pretty much just sounds like rape, and. Uh, I mean, he certainly is a piece of shit, but compared to Frank, he is nothing. I would agree with you there. The mother, no doubt, does some like truly disgusting things and is kind of just a product of her of environment Frank. of Frank. Um, so I will I will side you in that. I was I was actually thinking you guys were gonna come in hot with the mother and I was gonna nominate Frank, but I, I totally agree with you. I think Frank is definitely the villain of this movie. I would I would be the one, I guess, to try to make a case for the mother because I was thinking that for most of the movie. But if you look a little deeper, it probably is Frank. But the mother 
just being a deformed mutant creature, but also still being like human-like with her wanting to be a mother and nurture is just very twisted. So it's a very disturbing figure. And it's like a, it would be the, the, the flashy pick because, you know, all of, her, all of her shenanigans, but it is Frank who kind of started it all. And you get to more or less see it just by how all of his, his violence is portrayed by other people's reactions to it. And like the little... 80s flashback so yeah it's definitely frank i did like that too the the scene where we get okay. introduced to him as a character very good mix up yeah and you know he's pretty strong villain i'd say his little layer down there though i was kind of confused as to why aj was just kind of goofing around in there like he went in there <laughs> he, he just like was hanging out with frank supposedly just hiding from the mother basically so the whole time you think that like the mother is the worst thing but then you realize frank is you know obviously behind it all right well, honestly, the movie itself even calls out, like, uh, Andre tells Tess, he's like, there's something even worse. That's not even the worst thing that's down there, referring right. to Frank. Um, like which, Andre knows. Yeah, it seems Yeah, it seems as though this whole neighborhood is kind of underlain by these tunnels. And there's, like, various spray paint. I caught, like, in this movie, like, one of the houses spray painted. It says, Death from Below. Yep. So this whole neighborhood is basically ran by this mother, which they also say comes out at night it like fucking whatever whatever she's doing at night around there yeah, uh you just leave it up to your imagination who even knows what she's doing when she comes out i don't really know what she's doing <laughs> looking for do, babies do you think that there's maybe more other creatures like the mother like because it's kind of implied that frank has done this a lot so do you think like the mother's the only one that's kind of survived to you know be go on and grow to kill shit but like do you think the empire is bigger they didn't show it though I think they left a little bit to be desired there. They could have shown a little bit more products of Frank and what's really going on down there. I think it's a good thing that they didn't show anything else because I, I originally, I thought they were, when he said that, that's not even the worst thing that's down there. I'm like, oh shit, there's a lot of these things down there Right, was my initial impression. And then they, it again subverted my expectation when they showed just Frank, just it's just him down there. But the mother is obviously afraid of him because it's, Frank's probably raped and killed or tortured women in front of this thing. So in general, I feel like it's a kind of like without saying it, like Frank is like the truly most disgusting villain down there. But I would like to think that there's probably, there have been other creatures like this thing that is the mother, whatever it is that was down there at some point. Yeah. I almost Um, would have maybe would have liked to have seen that too, but at the same time it works as it, as it is right now for me. So I, I want to talk about how Frank blows his brains out. It was, it was just kind of odd to me. I want to know more about it as to how it got to the point where AJ was the catalyst for him to end it all. Like, how was he still down there? Cause he almost seemed like he couldn't even get out of bed. Like AJ had to hand him a bottle of water. Like how was he functioning at one point? There's a ton of like beer cans on the ground. Right. So I just want to know like the timeline behind frank and kind of how he got to that point where all of a sudden aj comes in finds out realizes like what he's done and then frank just grabs a gun and shoots himself like was that it that's what took that's what it took for him to finally end it i thought it i thought it was a bit of an element of shame right after aj watches one of the videotapes i guess that's probably the first person who's ever yeah seen or knows right but then i realized on the second watch that uh aj looks at him and he goes like, "We're gonna get the fuck out of here as soon as I get back upstairs. I'm calling the police." 
and I'm oh, bringing right. cops here right now. Yeah. So all the cops were going to find it, find his shit. So then he immediately goes to reach for his gun. He immediately starts looking for his gun. So I think yeah, it's the point. threat that the cops are coming. And he's not in any sort of a state to cover his tracks to that point. He can't even get out of bed. No, he can't so do anything. So he kind of realizes this is, this is the end. This yeah, is this it. is it for him. No one's ever found his shit before. Yeah, I do yeah, wonder, again, true. though, just, like, how he was surviving, because he was in such a rough state, like, when AJ found him, so he must have been close to death anyway. Yeah, that's true. They don't really explain how he's been kept alive down there for all these years. The, oh, it's, you know, it's probably the mother. who. But it's weird, because, like, the, the mother doesn't afraid. go near him, though. Yeah. Right. I don't know. He may have just had, like, a like a huge sort of bunker type scenario where he just stacked up on supplies. That's where the movie, again, kind of, if you dig into the details of how people are living down in this shit for so long, yeah. it does kind of fall a bit short. Maybe, um, maybe it's kind of how it is an Airbnb. So this has happened like before and people get taken from there and that's what he feeds on. Maybe he's a cannibal. I don't know. It could be. I mean, we never see what happens to Keith's body once it gets absolutely obliterated. So I was wondering if they were feeding Keith to test, yeah. um, never, never see any evidence of that, of course. Yeah. But, um, Interesting thought. Frank's a good villain. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll bag him. I think we're all on the same page there for the villain, but yeah. we can move on next to our favorite scenes. I don't know if anyone wants to volunteer to go first. I, I think I personally want to think on what I want to peg on this movie for my favorite scene. So, um, Chris, maybe I'll go. you can go first for this one. You, you're just freshly watched. There's a lot of good scenes in this movie, so I'll go for sure. Um, I won't try to give out too many here. One of the ones I was thinking about was when AJ goes to the bar and meets his friend back home in Detroit. Um, fun fact, the guy he's talking to is actually the director, Zach uh, Krager. So uh. a little cameo in the movie. And it's just to be the friend who's like being told that his buddy just raped somebody. So And yep. just like that whole night, he gets home, he drunk calls her. And then, like, wakes up, throws up. Like, just a nice classic scene for him. So, yep. I don't know if that's the one for me, but I did like that a lot. <clears throat> Definitely not the ending would be my favorite. It's just, it was too ridiculous. But there were some good aspects to it, like the homeless man getting his arm ripped off. And, you know, the scene where AJ dies is actually really good. So, there's, there's some good scary scenes in this one. I want to go with the one where they're stuck in the pitfall trap. Um, uh, the bottle sequence. scene yeah the bottle scene how uh aj gets yanked out of there that whole thing's pretty good so that's gonna be my favorite scene nice i am uh surprised that you didn't go with aj just straight up just being breastfed with and then getting booped in the nose right before that <laughs> that was uh for me that was that was quite a, a notable disturbing yet funny scene just watching justin long be breastfed um <laughs> But for me, I think there's a lot of scenes in this that are truly like that are going to stay with me. And one of the ones in particular we didn't really talk about, but just the the jump cut from Keith getting obliterated to uh, Justin Long, like singing whatever ridiculous song he was just like talking about. It was so weird. Like <laughs> whatever song he was listening to was so odd. And we stick with him for a good two minutes of him just singing the lyrics to that song. And then he just gets called about being yeah, it's like, yeah, buddy, you're you're out of your pilot. You're accused of rape. Like, the, it's just kind of like super stark. And I just thought it was really like hilarious that they stuck with him for that long. So I'm gonna shout that out. Uh, like I said earlier, Keith getting obliterated. Um, I really enjoy uh, just the discovery of the other room 
with the bed and the bucket and the camera. And then an additional discovery of the basement steps from the movie poster. Mm. I was very hooked when I, on the first watch of sort of the, her discovering that stairs and then her going down there to, to find Keith saying something bit me. Like I just find in general, like I was completely just, I didn't know where this movie was going, which I think is its best quality. Um, and honestly though, all those are great scenes. But for me, I think the best scene in particular is just the sort of the 80s clip of Frank sort of being introduced to, you think he's just a normal guy to kind of, he's buying like a bunch of groceries, they're helping him, they, they buy him the, uh, the videotape of, that you see in the maternity room. I just find that that whole scene was incredibly disturbing to the reveal of there are women screaming in the basement and you can kind of connect the dots right there. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go with the 80s scene. I just like the way that it was shot too with like the ultra-saturated colors and sort of the wide-angle aspect ratio kind of switches to. I just thought that was really cool, and I'm glad that they, they kept that in the movie, kind of elevated it to a different level in my opinion. So I'm going to go with the 80s scene. Um, Sauce, you are up next, my friend. Yikes. You stole my scene, John. You fuck. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that scene as well, so I do want to give it a shout-out. I was planning on... Stating that scene is my favorite scene, but that is all right. Um, I also like how we're just revealed to Frank's life and all the disgusting things we're doing. We just um, get that preview, how he's stalking people. Um, and then he walks into the house, we hear the girl screaming. So that's a great scene. Um, I will put mine up there. I really enjoyed the the first act, like I mentioned with Keith. Uh, just the, the first initial interaction with Keith and Tess. Um, how I thought Keith did a great job acting throughout those all those opening scenes were making you seem like he's a shady character when he's not um, just being awkward enough. I thought he did really good acting in all those opening scenes. So I will probably peg that as my favorite scene or scenes of the movie. Um, and then I also do want to give a shout out um, to the scene with AJ measuring all the, out the, the different <laughs> square footage. Are, yeah. The square footage of the, um, the different tunnels of the basement thinking he's going to make some extra money selling this place with all the undiscovered, you know, just terribleness that's going on down there. So I'll put that up there as a honorable nomination, but I'll go with uh, just Keith and his acting at the beginning, just selling the fact that he is a shady character, but really is not. And just how it kind of really lures you into think that um, this movie is going to go one way and it's not. So I thought that was really well done. So I'll peg that as my favorite scene. Nice. Good pick. Those are all good picks. There's lots of, there's almost too many like memorables for, for me, at least there's a lot of memorable scenes to kind of count. Um, and I do want to just also back that up that, that him measuring out the uh, square footage once he, he, so he kind of backs into the stairs, goes down there, measures it off. And then he immediately Googles does basement square footage count as a part of selling the house. And he goes, oh, hell yeah. And his, like, his reaction to finding out he can do it is genuinely hilarious. So, And then he like gears up to go even deeper into the tunnel. Like He grabs yep. a knife and like it's just a little sequence of him being like, all right, yeah. pumping himself up. He's ready to go. Yeah, he's just paying like, no mind to the things around him. Yeah. He's just in great spirits with the, the measuring tape, measuring everything out, trying to calculate the <laughs> footage. They also put on like this goofy-ass music while he's doing it. As soon as like it's our it's our first time as an audience returning to the tunnel after Keith gets his head destroyed against a wall and seeing yep. the mother for the first time, 
and they're just playing this goofy music with with him just t- using a tape measure to to take measurements. I just thought that was pretty ballsy of them to do that, and I, I definitely think it worked. So yeah, good selections, boys. All right, well, we have arrived in the podcast at the moment we've all been waiting for our final scores. So I don't remember um, what order we've been going in. I don't know if any of you guys want to volunteer first. Your final thoughts. Give it a score. I believe in the last one. I think Sauce. I think you went. You went last. So, uh, and I. It actually went Chris, me, and then Sauce. So, I have no problem leading this one off if you guys don't mind. Yeah, I want go you right to convince me, John. All right. So I will go right ahead and say that this is for sure. My favorite movie that's been released in probably my favorite horror movie released in probably like the last uh, I'd probably say six or seven years, and uh, this one's been on my list for a while. I, I would have put this in my poll myself. So, Sauce, I'm very glad that you included it because I wanted to cover it. I just find that it, it has a perfect blend of disturbing horror and comedy, and uh, what it does best, I think I've mentioned this a couple times, is that it really subverts what where you expect it's going to go. We start with Keith. We think it's going to go one way. Then we get introduced to this monster. We think it's just going to be about this monster. But then we get immediately thrown into an 80s throwback scene about this rapist who's responsible for everything that's going on. And then the movie does kind of, unfortunately, sort of end on sort of like a weird note with the Spider-Man scene. I wish I wish it went a different way than the way it did. I think it could have been written a little better. Com- compared to the first and second acts, which I think are pretty effective. I think the third act kind of falls a little bit short, particularly at the ending. But there still is a message kind of being put out there by with this AJ character thinking that he's still a good guy after he just threw a woman off of a water tower to save himself. And I think that's kind of the point of how shitty men can be, where it might look like a, men, a man could be acting very suspicious or... There are definitely rapey vibes kind of going on with Keith in the first act with the wine, the way that he talks to her, the way he kind of convinces her to stay. Oftentimes in the in the place, it's kind of sus. So I really like the way that you can kind of misconceive sort of like a male. And uh, I think that's kind of the main message of the movie. But I find that as a story, it's just incredibly interesting and unique to me. I think it blends a couple of genre boundaries with horror and comedy, like probably better than anything I've seen in a long time. Uh, other than I, you guys will disagree, but I think creep does it pretty well. American cycle does it very well. I think flawlessly. So I think for me, this is kind of in the same tier as American psycho. I give American psycho a 4.2, um, but I think this is way scarier. And in my opinion, a little bit more enjoyable to watch than American psycho. Um, I will also just throw out one last little, uh, <laughs> One last little like nod to the things that are good about this. I will say that this is a genuinely scary movie, and I, I probably wouldn't want to watch this with someone who's new to horror. I think this is kind of up there in terms of gore, in terms of how disgusting it can be with the bottle. And there's multiple scenes in this that even as like a, a seasoned horror, horror viewer, I think are truly kind of disturbing to watch. So that's that going for it. Um, the music is fantastic. Like I said, it's probably like my second favorite track or uh, score that we've gone over so far. Uh, the acting was great. Um, I just think maybe just a couple of writing decisions if they went just a little bit differently. No, nothing major, I think, would have made this probably like a 4.8 or a 4.9 for me. Uh, so I'm going to come in hot with this one, boys. I'm going to give this one a 4.7 for Barbarian. 
Wow. Uh, I know you guys are probably not as high on it as I am. I know I hyped it up probably as much as I could. Um, but I really do like this movie. I think it got better with a repeated watch, and I think it was still pretty fun to watch with with Sauce. Although, Chris, I'm sure you probably got a lot out of it yourself just watching it solo, too. I mean, some of the parts are definitely disturbing, and you're kind of figuring it out as you go, which kind of lends itself to a, to a first watch by yourself. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I really enjoy Barbarian. I think in terms of 2022 and 2023, I think it's the best thing that I've seen for sure. Um, so I will pass it over to you guys, whichever one of you guys is prepared to go next. Let me hear what I you can think. I go second. I, I went last the last time, but, um, you know, there's a lot to, to like about this movie. And then, um, there's also things that I think are bringing this movie down for me. So I have some mixed thoughts. But um, some of the things I like about the movie, I like I mentioned, I really enjoyed the first act. Um, I think really the main message, like you mentioned, John, is just how you can perceive men in different ways. So Heath is acting suspicious and can kind of give off those rapey vibes, like you, you mentioned, with offering wine and wanting her to stay, almost like it sometimes seems like he's forcing it too much, uh, but really turns out to be a good guy. And then you have people like AJ who are just really funny, uh, can be outgoing, uh, but still kind of a douchebag um, that turn out to be absolute terrible people. So that's one, really one of the main messages I'm taking away from this movie. Um, but things I like, there's really creepy scenes. There's the um, the breastfeeding scene. Just the mother in general is a really creepy villain to throw in there. And then you got disgusting people like Frank. So a lot of interesting characters in, the, in this movie, a lot to talk about. Um, I do like how we had those dramatic cuts from just right at climaxes and disturbing scenes right into scenes like AJ singing and just that really threw me off. I didn't expect that at all. Just kind of very different, unique for a movie, especially for a horror movie. Um, you know, like you mentioned, some of the different angles that you see, the first person view of AJ um, was good. Um, there's definitely a lot of comedy in this movie with AJ too, that I appreciated. Um, but some of the things that I think are holding it back for me, um, definitely the middle, um, like I mentioned, John, I don't think the, the police scene, just some of Tess's actions kind of don't sit right with me, um, that are holding this movie back for me. And then really, um, what's holding it back for me, at least personally is the, the ending. I just, it was not a great way for me to end the movie, um, with the water tower scene and the Spider-Man scene, um, that just kind of really took this movie down for me. Um, so I'm kind of, I feel like I'm a little bit lukewarm on this movie. I don't think it's bad by any means, but I don't think it's a 4.7 for me by any means either. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm going to give it a, a solid 3.4 is where it's going to land for me. So wow, um, not, not amazing, not bad by any means. So somewhere in the middle. That's lower than I thought you'd go. That's not even a seven out of 10. It's a no. six point eight. So for somehow six point eight sounds worse than like a three point four out of five. You know, <laughs> yeah, it does. Same punch. I was thinking three point eight before I went into this. Um, so, but the more I think about it, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd watch this a second time. To be honest with you, there's definitely much more that I can catch up on and um, pick up on. But um, after a first watch, I don't know. It doesn't have me jumping to go see it again for some reason for this one. That's fair. I, don't think that's I will a, say I'm not I'm not exactly surprised. Yeah. Um I think I might be the opposite from you, Sauce, in the sense that I might have brought my score up a little bit 
as this episode has gone on. Um, I'm glad I got to go last because you guys got to explain a lot about the movie that I agree with. I don't want to be sitting here saying I agree with everything you say. John, probably just a little bit less to less of a degree, but I liked a lot of things you said. Um, Sauce, I did have issues with Tess as well and the ending. Um, My main thing about this movie, and I've said this before about another movie that we've reviewed, I think this would have made a pretty good like miniseries or something because I would have loved to have seen more from Frank's kind of background. We could have seen more down there and maybe more characters getting involved. I just, it felt like a lot was happening in that amount of time. And I would have liked to have seen more about a couple different aspects. So right. what do you think about that, John, about the case could be made for this of making, making a better series than it was a movie? I totally agree with that. I think it would be a fantastic series to sort of explain the various like kidnappings and shit that's gone on at this house that you can't really cram into two hours. Um, I, I honestly thought a better ending for this would be to leave the mother alive, have everybody in this die yep. and leave it, leave it open for a sequel. Yep. And, um, or if the movie ended on discovering Frank, that he still lives down there or something like that definitely opens itself up to a sequel. It, it, this, the way they ended this one does not really at all because the mother gets blasted in the head. Frank's got blasted in the head. And I, I would totally agree with you on that. And I would definitely be interested. I, I personally, I, I think the ending does stink. Um, but I still would say that there's enough good elements for me in the first and second act, and maybe even the beginning of the third act that are, that are good enough. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're, you're hundred percent correct. I think this would be a great mini series. Yeah. And I like to your point, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie that is actually helping me keep my score up because when I think more and more about it, about how it would have been a great miniseries, it makes me mad that it isn't. So, like, even think about this. Like, you could do a prequel where you explore more of Frank's life. You know what I mean? Like, you could do a spinoff on Frank or something. Just just to the fact yeah. of, like, I think there's more to this movie, and we kind of get robbed of a little bit of it. But it, it still comes together as, as a good movie overall. That's for sure in my mind. Yep. I'm going to give it a 3.6. I was going to give it maybe more down towards sauce, like a 3.3, 3.4, but I still liked it a lot and it's still a really good standalone movie you know, aside for okay. Tess's actions and maybe the ending. But, you know, I actually really enjoyed the watch and I would say I would recommend to watch it again or would want to watch it again just to see a little bit more about it. Cause that's, that's what I want. I want more from it. You know, I think a series yep. would have been good for it, but um, I think I that's very fair. Anyone watch it. Yep. I agree. So that gives us a aggregate of a 3.9 for the podcast. I'm definitely bringing that score up quite a bit from where you guys are keeping it. Uh, I honestly thought, I mean, I was hyping this movie up intentionally for you guys just because I think it's fun to do. Um, but I, I'm not surprised because it seems like the majority of like to general audiences kind of come in around that mark. I think a lot of people are pissed off at the ending of this movie. They think it's significantly worse. I would agree. But I still am just so satisfied uh, with the rest of the parts that I'm totally comfortable giving it a 4.7. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, is my new number three movie uh, behind The Lighthouse and Hereditary, which is nice. where I think it belongs. Nice. I'm, I'm um, not surprised so by the fact that this is in your top three for sure. And I would have considered giving it a higher score, like more towards the fours, um, had I just kind of not gotten so put off by 
my other thoughts on the movie about it being a series and just the character test in general. So, yeah, yeah. but maybe it's also due to the fact that I'm fresh off my watch here. So I think maybe if I do watch it again at some point, maybe think about it more, I might have a much better time watching it then. So sure. Nice. Yeah. I, I think that movie. this movie lends itself to multiple watches, which I found it interesting that Sus would not want to watch this again, but um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with that. I, I think, 3.9 is pretty much what I expected. I thought it would be right around a four. It's not a perfect movie, but I think it's oh, an avid and uh, slightly better improvement on our, our, our movie from the previous week, which is Infinity Dabs. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about this one. I just think it's a very solid, very good modern horror movie. Very nice. I think that kind of wraps everything up. Um, Chris, I don't know if you have any IMDb spooky trivia pulled up, but of course I do. You can maybe pull up some fun facts here to to wrap things up and uh, call it a day. Of course, of course, got it right here. I want to talk about the title of this movie, Barbarian. What did you think about that sauce? You know, how do you think it ties into the movie, and do you think there's some sort of explanation behind it? Uh, I watched a YouTube video after I watched this movie. There's obviously the name of the street, which is Barbary. And then they were also talking about, like, the actions of the mother, like, acting like a barbarian, just standoffish, and just absolutely going ham. So those are the, the two things that I think about that come to mind. Um, otherwise, I don't have anything outside of that. I I may, I may know this trivia fact. I might know where you're going with this. I know that I already listened to a, a different podcast talk about this movie, and they were saying that, the mother babbles like bab. Apparently, barbarians didn't have a language, or their language at the time was perceived by other cultures to be like a babbling. And the mother in this movie just strictly babbles like like she's talking to a baby. Mm. So that's kind of the other aspect of the mother being a barbarian. I also saw something really interesting about the house number being four seventy six, and that the barbarians were like big in that year four seventy six. So I thought that was cool. Apparently, I they the last podcast I listened to was saying that the director didn't even intend for that. It was just a coincidence. That was just the number of the house. Um, I think that's kind of bullshit, personally. But I you're think that's pretty on, neat. But you're spot on, John, with uh, those facts. It does say that the address 476 Barbary Street and 476 was the year that barbarians invaded Rome. And it does say under that that he claims it's a uh, coincidence. That's bullshit. He, that's that has to be something. Way too coincidental. Yep, that's too specific. But to the point of the name, I never would have thought the the babbling. So I think that's a pretty interesting theory. I don't think there's any barbarian actions in this movie. Really, I don't think barbarian refers to that. Here's something that I saw online. So the street is Barbary Street, right? Airbnb is a type of rental place you stay to sleep. It's an inn. Barberry Inn is what that house is. Ah. Yeah. I like that theory. That's so, pretty cool. That I like that. The Barberry Inn. You can't spell Barbarian without Airbnb. <laughs> that is also a fun fact is that that's based, if you take Airbnb, it's one of the only words you could spell out of that. Nice. So you take those four letters, right? B-A-R. Yep. That's pretty so, dope. And do. Anyway, so that's just some fun facts about the name. I kind of didn't get it. It was kind of weird to me until I looked it up after. Like the whole name is like, what What does this mean? But interesting. It's probably just some wordplay by the director. Yep. Um, so a lot of the exterior shots 
of the house were actually filmed in the Bright Brightmore neighborhood of Detroit, which they say in the movie. Um, but however, I guess the rest of the film was shot in Sofia, Bulgaria. So they were oh, yeah. filming overseas. <laughs> Interesting fun fact there. Um They say that the fact that Frank wears like a boiler suit, he's got the slick back hair, that it's like a homage to Michael Myers. I don't really agree with that one. No. Yeah, that that's that's too ridiculous. I did think it was funny too. I guess at one point they released a trailer for this movie that portrayed it as Justin Long's new movie, and they kind of had like his sequence before, and then it kind of like cuts to a scary movie. So like they get a a bait and switch on the trailer. Oh, that's pretty cool. Let's see. I think I got one or two more here. Oh, this one. So the director originally offered the role of AJ to Zach Efron, and Efron turned it down. Oh, thank God. The director choose Justin Long. I would have hated this movie if it yeah. was Zach Efron. I like Zach Efron, <laughs> but he did not. He was not this. Role he would at not all. be a good AJ. <laughs> um, and I guess also that. Uh, Jordan Peele had a hand in this movie. He was never officially credited, but um, the character that plays Tess, Georgia, Georgina Campbell, said that Jordan Peele um, would talk to the director, Zach uh, Krager. So, fun fact. There, there is the, the line where Tess is like, nope, as she sees the tunnel. For the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around. Yeah. So, I feel like that's probably Jordan Peele right there. Probably. See him coming through. There's uh there's 31 entries. There's 13 here with spoilers. I haven't really looked through that much, but um, you know you can go check them out online. Five people total die in this die in this movie. Fun fact. Only five. That's what it says. It's the body count. Well, so. yeah, that makes sense. That's all I got for uh, old barbarian, the barbarian. All right, I think that'll about wrap her up, but. Um, John, do you want to tell the people what we're watching for next week? Oh, yes. It is the long-awaited return of a franchise that has caused rifts in the space-time continuum. It has transcended Chris Rayner's genre boundaries. It has completely transformed the way he looks at horror movies. We'll be returning back to the Creep franchise for Creep Deuce, which is... What's that? The return of Joseph. The return of Joseph. Yes, Joseph is Joseph coming back. Joseph and Peach Fuzz. Yes. Um, are you guys excited to watch Creep 2? I want to get both of your guys' opinions. I am. I actually am. I'm excited. I'm ready for some uh, horror comedy. That was definitely a very funny movie. And um, looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next with Joseph. It's going to be very interesting. He was a interesting character. So it's nice. going to be a good one. I, I just hope this one is scarier. I cannot promise anything. I've seen this once before. Uh, you guys both have not seen this before, correct? No. I can't promise anything about this, this one. also on Netflix. This is also on Netflix, last I checked. Um, and I think it's another kind of like shorter length film. Like pretty quick watch. But I will say that this one is very similar to the first one, but just way more Joseph is the best way to explain it. Oh boy! So I'm I'm excited to watch. I would I would also think this movie lends itself to a group watch, even more so than the first one. Although the first one has yeah. tubby time, which <laughs> is uh, a goaded scene. 
So I my I'm pretty pumped to watch Creep Deuce. It, it, it certainly won't be a five out of five. I don't think for any all three of us, but I do want to see what you guys fucking think of this one. So I am uh, I am definitely pumped too. Very nice. I think that's going to about do it though for episode twenty three of our Horror Fiends podcast. And uh, otherwise, give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a, a five star on Spotify. We would appreciate it. And uh, 